This is episode 181 of IDRA Class Notes. You know, as the research has shown, as our own experience in the field has shown, you know, certain school cultures sometimes react aggressively towards refugee students. They may feel an encroachment from another group on their own sense of values. And it's important, you know, through this cultural competency piece, too, to see how the values of many different cultures actually share the values of, quote unquote, the American schooling culture in valuing education, in valuing opportunity. Hi, good afternoon. This is David Hinojosa. I am the director of IDRA's EAC South. That's the federally funded regional equity assistance center that services 11 states in the South plus Washington, D.C. With me here today to talk about refugee children in schools is Dr. Hannah Sung, who is the Associate Director of Research and Continuous Improvement with the Mid-Atlantic Equity Consortium based out of Maryland. MAC has been around for over 25 years servicing schools and school districts across the U.S. And Dr. Sung had co-authored Supporting Refugee Students in Schools with IDRA recently. So we're happy to have you this afternoon, Dr. Sung. Thanks for having me. So let's start off for those who may not know who is a refugee yeah i'll start with with the definition of refugees so first and foremost um, i think it's important to note that refugees are not a monolithic group they are a racially and socioeconomically diverse group Um, and according to the united nations a refugee is someone who has a deep and well-founded fear of being persecuted on the basis of race, religion, nationality, or membership of a particular political or social group, and is outside their country of origin. And because of this fear, they are unable or do not feel safe enough to return to their country. And I think the topic of that newsletter was also about refugee students and trauma. And so we can't talk about refugee students without mentioning trauma, and refugee children may have directly or indirectly experienced war or conflict-related trauma, and the American Psychological Association defines trauma as an emotional response to a terrible event. Immediately after the event, shock and denial are typical. Longer-term reactions include unpredictable emotions, flashbacks, strange relationships, and even physical symptoms like headaches or nausea. And we often think of trauma as something psychological, but researcher Sarah Dryden-Peterson from Harvard University and colleagues note that traumatic events can also be, quote-unquote, an ecological shock that unsettles and disrupts the person's supports and relationships. And because of that, because of their traumatic experiences, um, it may result in physical, mental, social, emotional loss um, that can lead to depression, anxiety disorders, and even post-traumatic stress disorder. And it is important for our listeners to understand that there is you know, great diversity, as you mentioned at the outset. According to a report by the Migration Policy Institute, many refugees come from two-parent families. They have high parental uh, education, high parental employment. But again, you know, many of these traumatic events that have forced them to leave their own home countries definitely brings you know, some great challenges, but also some opportunities. 
the United States, according to the UN Refugee Agency, is the largest refugee settlement in the world. They come from all over, of course, you know, with most coming recently from Africa, Near East, and South Asia. And they're resettling all across the country, including the South. You know, in 2017, Texas, North Carolina, and Georgia were among top states. And in other years past, uh, Virginia, Tennessee, Arkansas, and several other states, again, you know, across the South, have uh, received refugee students, which, again, you know, brings, you know, great opportunities. But there are major barriers that have been identified to urban refugee education, for example, although these are not just solely for urban schools. So six barriers identified by Teachers College include overcrowding, the lack of space as a barrier to urban refugee education, school admissions policies, or appropriate documentation, no transportation to and from school, lack of trained teachers, and uh, discrimination and xenophobia as uh, barriers. So I was wondering, you know, as we talk about these barriers, what are some strategies that schools and districts can engage in with the EACs to overcome these barriers? So I'll focus on three barriers, school admissions policies, lack of trained educators, and discrimination. Um, In terms of school admissions, you know, often refugee students or their families may not have traditional paperwork required for school admissions in the states. And schools can lower these admissions barriers by not requiring social security numbers, for example, and finding alternatives to traditional paperwork requirements. For example, um, instead of birth certificates, they can use uh, religious, hospital, or previous school records. And even with the right paperwork, you know, the paperwork process can be daunting or difficult to understand. And so schools can also provide school liaisons and language interpreters to help refugee students and families not only translate, but also navigate them through the system. In terms of lack of trained educators, it's important for educators to learn about refugee experiences and understand, again, that they are a diverse group with diverse experiences. Also, it's helpful for educators to know how to detect trauma symptoms and the process to provide them with support or refer them to a professional. But in terms of detecting and addressing trauma symptoms, I think it's important to understand that it's not about, quote-unquote, fixing behaviors, but about providing a support system and demonstrating empathy and not sympathy. Um, Actually, Brene Brown um, has a really good TED Talk explaining the differences between empathy and sympathy. And last but not least, in terms of discrimination, you know, that is one of the biggest barriers to refugee students' education, which can add to their existing trauma. Racism and discrimination can sometimes be very subtle. Uh, and to recognize and address that, schools can build cultural competency among staff and educators, and equity centers like IDRA or MAC can provide information and training on equitable practices and strategies. Um, And these types of trainings can help schools create policies and practices that include refugee students and their families as assets to their community. Yeah, it's very important, you know, as the research has shown, as our own experience in the field has shown about how, you know, certain school cultures sometimes react aggressively towards refugee students because they may feel an encroachment from another group 
on their own sense of values or what they perceive as their own sense of values. And we engage, you know, this school culture of practice that ends up working against students rather than trying to adjust to meet their needs. And so there's issues of power and privilege and, you know, real deficit lenses that are applied to the students, which can relate to, you know, some of the issues that you mentioned in sympathy. So what have you all seen with respect to the the school culture as a practice? Yeah, so in terms of school culture as a practice and building cultural competency, I think one thing we try to um, help school staff with is that understanding that their own systems, policies, and practices have a particular culture and may be obvious and normal to them, but may not be as obvious to refugee students and their families. And more importantly, that this cultural competency involves respecting and welcoming other cultures rather than imposing a particular culture or or way of being onto refugee students. Um, And so it's really about understanding school culture and building a school culture that welcomes all students. Yeah, I think many of the strategies that have been employed out there in the field often either take into account, you know, cultural sensitivity, which is kind of trying to walk on eggshells around and may end up leading to low expectations. And what we've seen through our IDRA EAC South and working with several school districts all across the South, but also not just in urban settings, but also in rural settings. And it's important, you know, through this cultural competency piece, too, to see how the values of many different cultures actually share the values of, quote-unquote, the American schooling culture in valuing education, in valuing opportunity, and wanting to do the best that you can with an education, and having them, you know, reflect back on that, as well as seeing some differences in other cultural attributes can be a real asset for a school. So working with a rural school district recently over the past year, we have worked with the school district in trying to establish a more asset-based parental engagement program. So the understanding initially was that the parents didn't want to become involved, that you know they shied away from meetings at times, uh, but it was actually the mode of communication that the district was offering to the parents of refugee children. And we helped turn that around by you know, having more authentic parental engagement programs, by having more assistance you know, with translation and interpreters as well. But we also went one step above that, and we helped address, you know, the lack of trained teachers. So, you know, how are the educators themselves thinking of the refugee students and the population that they're serving? You know, how are they taking into account the trauma that they experienced? And the school leaders as well, you know, how are they helping the teachers build stronger relationships with the students. I think these are real critical opportunities that are often missed because of a misunderstanding about refugee families, unfortunately. So I was wondering if you might have any final words, Hannah, before we leave. I just want to emphasize, you know, again, the importance of community as we um, talked about this and, and building a rich and diverse community that is beneficial for refugee students and that is also beneficial for all students. 
Excellent. Well, thank you very much again for joining us this afternoon, Hannah. At the IDRA EAC South, you can find us on the web at www.idra.org slash South. We have other resources that are available online. And if you need assistance and you're located in our region, please give us a call or send us an email or fill out an intake form. Uh, we'd be happy to try and provide technical assistance at either free or minimal cost-sharing expenses. And uh, certainly there's three other uh, regional equity assistance centers that are more than happy to try and assist you and meet your needs as well across the U.S. So thank you very much again for joining us. We appreciate you listening. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.